chapter 16. Now, I wish us to turn to page um, 176. 176, can you, or page 198, I think, for the, for the new book. Can we read 2 Peter 2, 1 together? 2 Peter 2, 1, 1, 2 reading. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. May God bless the reading and understanding of His Word. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for journey mercies to thy house. We ask for understanding from above in this topic. And Lord, we ask that you build convictions in us, that we will be strong in our faith, we understand it from your word, and we'll submit to your word. We ask that you use BBK, Lord, uh, upstairs and here, to strengthen the, um, the faith of your children, both in the objective faith and the subjective faith, and help us, O Lord, that we may fight the good fight of faith for you. We ask and pray for cleansing, for washing in the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, <clears throat> please look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. There were false prophets among you. So, so Peter said now, Please note, churches, there are false prophets now, or back then. Back then, they're among you. They're in the churches. They're in Christianity. They, they are, in those, they were in those times. But please observe that God's inspired word, God the Holy Spirit tells the churches in the future, even as there shall be. Please know, God says there shall be. It's not only in their times, but God says there shall be. It is not going to stop. False teachers, false prophets that will bring in false doctrines, it will not stop. So this shall be is telling us we today as well. When Phoebe grows up, when, when um, Daniel grows up, there shall be also. Why do we need to understand this? Because very often we think, why, why do our church often cover things like that. You know, why don't we talk more about love, about unity, and, and so on. We do talk about love, we do talk about unity, always in truth, in the truth. But why do we need to cover these things? Because God already says, there shall be. And if you do not know, you will, and the church will, be infected. Alright, so it's like, why does parents always say, wash your hands before you eat? Why? Because if not, you get infected. Not to go certain places, especially where there's many sick people, but you still need to go to school, right? So don't, don't, because you will be infected. So parents will keep warning children also. When you cross the road, be very careful. So why do we cover these things? Because we need to be careful. Alright? It is not because we, we love to point out people's error, but because God warned us. Now, please look page 197, 197, Proverbs 4, 1 to 2. Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. God says, I give you good doctrine. And then our church theme, Acts 2, 42 to 43, they continued steadfastly 
In what? Steadfastly means earnestly, constantly, with conviction, persevering, continuously. The church continued very earnestly, very zealously, very constantly, with conviction. In what? The apostles' doctrines. The apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And so on. The importance of sound doctrine. That is what we are here to learn in this topic, false teachings in the church. There will be false teachings in churches. We must be able to discern. Now, why is it so important? Page 175 or 197. Why is it important? Because doctrine is the thing that will keep the church sound. Sound doctrine must be faithfully taught and transmitted. Now, what is doctrines? Doctrines, doctrines are the teaching of theological truth. So there is, as we study the whole Bible, there are theological truths. And these theological truths are informed to us by doctrines. Understand that? Doctrines are very important. People say doctrine divides, love unites. But God says doctrine is what you need because it tells you what is consistent and true theology across the Bible. All right? So, this is the only thing that will help you to discern false teachings. So, doctrines are important. Now, what we are going to cover in this chapter is the different doctrines that, is very, that are very important for us to be sound. Now, please look at page 175 or 197. The last part. Now, the doctrine on which the Christian church is founded has been providentially preserved by God in God's perfect word, the Holy Bible. Doctrines are from the Bible, not philosophy of the world. Now, if you wonder, now how do I discern whether a doctrine or a church or a system of belief is not wrong? By and large, if not quite um, sure that there are three areas that you must be very, very discerning about. Three areas that the cults, the false teachers will always attack or differ from the Bible. What are the three areas? Number one, you look at your book at the bottom. It is adding to God's Word or subtracting from God's Word, or distorting and misinterpreting God's Word. Alright? So, add, when it comes to scriptures, add, remove, or misinterpret, or twist. The Bible is the only foundation is this true or not true? Is this right or not right? Or is it wrong? These are the tests. So that's why you must know the Word of God. And as we study the different false teachings, you will see this again and again. And turn to page 176. 176. Now, um, under the touchstone, you see the, the touchstone. While various articles of doctrine may be targeted 
of attack by false teachers, yet the most vital and central one. The one thing that you know they like to attack. How do I know this is a cult? How do I know this teaching or this, these churches are correct? Underline this also. Number one, it will attack the person of Christ. The word of Christ and the work of Christ. The person, the word, and the works of Christ. These three things. How do I know this is a cult? When they change, when they change what the Bible says about who he is, what the Bible says about what he says, what the Bible says about what he did. As long as these three areas or combination, it can be combination, it can be add, it can be minus, it can be misinterpreted. Any combination, alright, can be just one thing or two things or three things or one plus three or whatever. Or any aspect of this, you know these are false doctrines, false teachers, errors. Alright, so how do I know? i give you an example. The, the Mormons, the Seventh-day Adventists, what do they believe about the person of Christ? What do they believe about the person of Christ? Uh, who knows? Um, Sujin? Don't know. There's one common thing that will always be very obvious. Uh, pay. What do they say about Christ? The Mormons, the, the Seventh-day Adventists, the progressive Christians. Very good. Jesus is not God. They misinterpret scriptures. The scriptures say Jesus is God. So as long as they attack any one of this area, you can safely say they are cults, they are false teachers. Alright? And not just this, others. The, the word and the works and so on. We'll study. Now, by and large, so, so let this be very clear. Add, minus, misinterpret, twist God's word. No matter how you explain it, say no, 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 no. When it comes to Christ, who he is, what he says, what he did. Very easy. You can, you can quite safely know. Now, in this, Alright, in this, the Christian must know at least four areas in Christendom in the world. Four areas, you must know. In these four areas, they are very dangerous and if we, don't, we are not watchful of them and we don't separate from them, we will end up, we will end up like the progressives, for example. What are these four movements? If you look at your book, first movement that we're going to study is the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church. False teachings in the church. Roman Catholic Church. Now the second one is the ecumenical movement. Ecumenical movement. You must be aware of this. If not, you will be sucked into false teachings, false churches without knowing. Number three, the charismatic movement. Alright, charismatic movement. And the last, which is the most dangerous of all, the new evangelical movements. 
all right new evangelical movement so in these four four movements must be known to you if not you 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 be in false teachings and you don't even know but actually today we have one more right we've learned now in our times it is the progressive christianity right so it will keep it will keep adding it will keep adding but once you are clear about this whatever movements you can identify whether they're true or false very quickly all right now so we will over the next few weeks study this movement so that you are clear and you will not be deceived because there shall be false teachers it's not going to change now to come back before we enter into roman catholic um, the false teachings of the roman catholic church I want us to see in a bigger picture what is this about why do we keep attacking the roman catholics something that happened hundreds of years ago we're still talking about it why don't we forgive you know, like husband and wife quarrel forgive don't hold your grudge for hundreds of years Hiya, why is our church like that can you just stop talking about all these things why we need to see the bigger picture because if i just dive into it and say ah, i'll be saying the same thing now Please turn to the book of Revelations. God warned us of false teachers for a reason. Say, so why is our church always talking about this thing? Revelations. When God tells us what will happen in the future, there is one of the warnings that if the church do not um, be careful of, we will be in trouble. All right? If you turn to um, chapter 16, Revelations chapter 16, uh, 17, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 17. Now, in Romans chapter, Revelation chapter 17, God says, when He comes to judge the world, there will be this thing there. In, verse, um, in verses uh, 4, well, 3 to 5. Can we read verses 3 to 5? So He carried me away in the Spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornications. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now, God says when you come to judge, there will be this harlot. And in her hand is a cup full of abominations. Now, this is not going to be a real woman holding a cup. God is describing that it will be an organization, there will be a, um, a, an organization where it is full of blasphemy and abominations and fornications. Blasphemy means speak against God, attack the person of Christ, the person, the work, and the words of Christ. Is blasphemy and 
full of fornication. Full of fornication means what? Not only they have false teachings about God, they will also be full of fornications, means they will mix now, a prostitute. This is a description of a prostitute. A prostitute receives any man. So this is talking about they will receive any religion. Now this, in other words, is a description when Christ comes, he's going to judge a religious movement that is going to be full of false teachings and mix of many, many religions. You remember the progressives, they always say, all religion can bring us to heaven. All right? So they will accept all. And what does God tell the church? Say, I warn you, you better be careful. What does God tell the church um, to do? Turn to chapter 18. Turn to chapter 18. Now, let's read um, verse 4. All right, verse 4 reading. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and ye receive not her plagues. So God says, do not part, be part of this, this movement. Do not be part of this organization, because I will come and judge her. Churches, do not be part of it. Come out from among them. Come out. If not, you will receive the plagues that I will send forth. In other words, we will also be judged by God. Will BPCWA be part of this harlot? Will we? Well, it depends on whether we come out. We, we name five movements. We make sure we are not part of these five movements that, are, that is going to form the harlot. Make sure we are not part of it. Then BPCW will continue not to be judged, but will be useful to the Lord. So we cover these things not because we like to, well, the BPs always talk about, you know, all these things. Uh, worse, every year we have Reformation Sunday, right? Forgive already. Don't, 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 don't keep talking about Roman Catholicism every October. Stop it already. Why do we do it? If we don't, we will not know the truth. And then we will slowly be part of it. Now, remember this is called the Great Harlot. Alright, is the Great Harlot. It's going to be a mixture of everything. This will form. God says it will be there. This will be there. Alright? Now, we have the Protestant Church. Or we have the true church, the New Testament church. Then the New Testament church was hijacked by the Roman Catholic Church. Alright? And then the Protestants reformed the true church. Huh? Reformed the true church. And now the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant Church are separate because of teachings, false doctrines. So we're separate from them. They obeyed God's command in Revelation. Come out from among them. So we came out from among them. Restore the true church. In order, remember this is going to be the great one world movement. God says the world will be united together in this one great harlot. There will be one great movement. Alright, we call it the one world church. Not Christian church, huh? one world church, one world organization. Satan will, I don't know, 
actually don't have to draw Satan. I just say Satan. Satan will be the head of this church. Satan will, will be the head of this movement. God says it's going to happen. Now, why do we keep studying about Roman Catholicism and keep reminding every year? Because in order for this to happen, listen carefully, in order for this to happen, these two must join back. Understand that? These two must join back so that there will be one again. In order to join back, what keeps us apart? What keeps us apart? Um, okay, so, uh, Justin, what keeps the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant Church apart today? Doctrines. That's why it begins with doctrines. The only thing that's keeping us apart are doctrines. The moment we don't know what are the differences in the doctrines, we say, let's just come together. Let's ignore doctrines. Let's get, let's get rid of doctrines. Then we can come back together and form this, this unity back again. Understand that? Alright, so why do we study all this? Any movement, the five movements, why do we study them? Because we need to know what are the erroneous doctrines. Now, first, first step, first step, look at your BBK books. All right, uh, page 178. Uh, I'll, I'll explain to you instead of reading. Now, the first step, listen carefully, the first step to forming this. Now, the harlot is going to make, make up of Christian, Christian churches, other religions, Alright, this is what is going to be made up of. That's why it's called a one world big organization, big belief, big church. Alright, so both Christian and other religions are going to be part of this one world church, this harlot, which God said keep out of it. The first step to form this plus other religion is Christians need to be united first. So this, these two which so-called Christian must come together first once you are able to unite now the whole world is pretty much if you talk about Christendom is separated between what billions of Roman Catholic and billions of Protestants right now these two big so-called separation in, Christ in Christendom billions of Roman Catholics and billions of Protestants in order to form this, these two must come together first. The Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant Church must, Satan's aim to form this, he must bring Roman Catholics and Protestants together first. If not, you cannot unite this, you cannot unite this with false doctrine. Number two, only when these two are united, then he will begin to unite false religions in. He, he already started. You already hear. The progressives already say we should accept all religions. All right? When we study the ecumenical movement, we'll see. Why am I spending time to explain this to you? Why do we talk about the doctrines in the Roman Catholic Church? We keep reminding you. 
You must remind your next generation, your children. Because if we do not know what are the erroneous doctrines, we will say, ah, what's the big deal? Can, can we, why don't we just come together? It's good, right? The whole world say, ah, Roman Catholics and Protestants, they don't fight anymore. Love. They love each other. So this must be united first. Alright, so first thing we learn, Roman Catholicism, why we must know their doctrines is because it's the only thing that's keeping us apart. And this only thing God says, you stay out of this combination, which is happening today. By the way, there are already many papers, many meetings, many agreements signed between the Anglicans, the Methodists. Now, these Anglicans, Methodists, they are the leaders in bringing Protestants back to Rome. There are documents signed, there are documents, there are agreements made. And the thing is always forget about all these doctrines that we're going to talk about. Just put them aside. Don't, once you put them aside, you can come together. Alright? Now, let's see then what other teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. Page 176 or the new book 199. 176 or 199. So I hope now you understand why every year we cover Roman Catholicism. As long as we don't know, we'll go back. It's not because we, we, we are very proud, because we want to stay out of it. Now, first thing, the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church. On page 177, 177 um, or 198, I think, we have the columns there divided. The key areas, this is not exhaustive, huh? key areas you must know. When it comes to the Bible, salvation, prayer, worship, infallibility of the Bible, when it comes to these things, the differences between us and them, you must know. Otherwise, you say, ah, put it aside. Now, for the Protestant, the Bible alone is the sufficient supreme authority for all matters of life and faith. In other words, whenever we have disagreement, is this doctrine correct? Praying to Mary, is it right or wrong? How we are saved, by works or by grace alone? Anything about the beliefs and the practices. Does the bread turn into real flesh? Does the cup turn into real blood? Any beliefs regarding the Bible, the Protestant belief, the Bible alone, is what we trust in and say what is right and wrong. What does the Roman Catholic believe? Is the Bible plus traditions. That's the difference. Bible alone is all we care. The Roman Catholic Church says, no, 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 no. You know, yes, we agree with the Bible, but you know, all the while, the church also believes in this. The church also practices this. So, it's Bible. Yeah, we agree with you. When you ask the Roman Catholic, do you believe the Bible is true? Yes. But your question should be, do you the, believe the Bible alone? Alone is enough to decide on what we should believe and what, should we, what we should practice. It's not just, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe the Bible alone? But to them, they plus traditions. Now, some traditions include like, for example, um, um, Mary. Mary did not die. Mary went physically to heaven. She did not die. You see, this has always been the traditional beliefs 
of the church. It's not, yeah, yeah, we agree, it's not in the Bible. But you know, always the church has believed. So traditions. Or they believe that um, when people die, you know, if your relative dies, um, if your relatives die, and you want them to go to heaven faster, all right, they go to this place called temporary suffering, purgatory. But if you want them to go to heaven faster, you give the church money. And then they'll, they'll conduct a mass, they'll pray for your relatives, they'll go to heaven faster. You see, but it's not in the Bible. No, 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 but the church has always believed that. Traditions, alright? Do we believe in traditions? Do we believe in, in, um, in the traditions? The progressives say, ah, oh, orthodox is not good because they are traditionals. They believe in tradition. As long as the traditions are consistent with the Bible. For example, the, the, the New Testament people worshipped on Sunday, first day of the week. That is the tradition. Where did we get the tradition? Worship on Sunday instead of Saturday like the Old Testament. That tradition was a biblical tradition. As long as traditions are based on the Bible alone, we practice. Outside the Bible, we reject. Alright? So for the Roman Catholics, the first thing you must know, do you believe in the Bible? Yes. You say, wow, pastor, they believe, you know. Why do you keep saying, uh, saying, saying these things about them? But to them, plus, tradition. And very often, these traditions are taken from the Apocrypha. An additional book which they add to the Bible. Remember, we say the three things. Attack the person, the work, word, and the works. And we also remember what? They add, minus, misinterpret. I don't know, misinterpret, divide. <laughs> they misinterpret. They add. They add to the Word of God. They add to the Word of God. So, identified. This is a problem. Now, the next one, what do they believe? When it comes to salvation, faith in Christ alone. Please circle the word alone. Bible alone. Faith in Christ alone for salvation. But for them, they believe faith plus works. Faith plus works. So, to them, you want to be saved? Salvation, go to heaven in this case. Salvation is, you believe in Jesus, you have faith. Yeah, you must have faith. But you must do good works. Do good works. You must add good works. Faith alone cannot save you. In fact, their catechism say if you believe anyone that says if you believe in Jesus, that Jesus is God, He forgives you of your sin, He died for you, and that is enough to save you, let him be anathema. To them, if you say, Oh, don't need to add good works, anathema, let you be anathema means let you be cast to hell forever. Right? That's how strong. Now, so if you ask a Roman Catholic, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you believe if Jesus is God? Yes. They say, yeah, so good, right? Today we'll go for evangelism. If you meet a Roman Catholic, the question is not, do you believe in Jesus? 
for salvation because they will say yes but they will, in their minds is I believe in Jesus and I must have my good works then I can be saved so the question is never do you believe in Jesus do you believe in Jesus alone for salvation faith alone that's why over the last few years we've been we've been preaching at Reformation Sunday first one is all right if you want to write down on top of your page 177 there are five alones that you must know five alones and the Protestant reformers have to fight for this it is not just about Christ it's Christ alone so first one um, grace uh, faith alone all right the first one is sola fide faith alone Latin sola is alone only faith alone for Christ faith alone in Christ for salvation the second alone the second sola is grace alone by grace alone it is not plus works if you add works then it is no longer grace so the second one please write down is grace alone the protestant have to say yeah they believe in god's grace but not alone you must add your own works three scriptures alone right sola scriptura scriptures alone only scriptures will be admitted for any discussion with respect or disagreements only scripture will be used nothing else when we come to agreement now number four christ alone only christ is the way to heaven only christ not christ plus the saints christ plus mary christ plus all right the last the glory of God alone. The glory of God alone. Alright, we'll so, so we see some of this. Now, so let's look at salvation. So to them is this. Now, for us, salvation is what? I'll put it this way. Saving faith. What is saving faith for the believer? How do you know you truly are saved? Well, number one, what, what is it? Salvation. Actually, I should be salvation. What is true salvation? Genuine salvation. Genuine salvation is faith. You truly have faith. Do you really believe in Jesus Christ? You have faith. But the proof, right? Maybe I should put this way, all right? Um, genuine faith, genuine saving faith is, it will bring you salvation. It will bring you salvation. But how do you know your faith is genuine? How do you know? Because the Roman Catholics accuse us, just faith, just faith. It will be proven by works. There is a transformed life. There is a change in life. How do I know I'm truly saved? How do I know my faith is genuine? I am saved and my, my, my genuine faith is proven by my pure and genuine desire to obey God. A changed life. 
Okay, so that is how we understand. It is not the other way. Salvation equals to faith plus works. No, we can't be saved by adding our works. Now, next, so please remember that. So please look at under salvation, to them faith plus works, self-effort, penance, mass, indulgences. Now, what is penance? To them is, well, well, okay, you believe in Jesus Christ, but you still can't go to heaven, you know. You must do penance. Means you must go to the priest, you must confess to the priest, you know, I committed this sin. Asking Jesus to forgive alone is no use. Oh, you committed this sin. Oh, you committed this sin. So they go to this room, they confess to the priest, right? And the priest sit behind a box and say, Oh, for this sin, you must give the church $10,000. Or, you know, for this sin, for this sin, you must go and clean the church for three weeks. Uh, for this sin to be forgiven, you must um, go and say, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, 50 times. Right? So to them, penance is, you must, not only just believe in Jesus, you must do something. If not, your sins don't get forgiven. Alright, so is this biblical? No. It attacks what? Person, word, and works. Let me ask you. Hazel, or uh, Jemima, which one does it attack? Faith plus works, which one does it attack the most? Person, work, word, or works? Word and works. In what sense? Jesus already said, you are, we are saved by grace in the Bible. The works, Jesus said, I paid fully for you. I paid fully for you, but you don't believe. You must add your own penance, your own works. It attacks the works. Means Jesus' death on the cross is not enough. You must add your penance work. Alright? It is wrong. Oh no, but tradition has always been like that. They add tradition. Alright? So, do you believe in Jesus for salvation? Yes, but it's Jesus plus works. Now, next one. Prayer. Prayer. Now, what, what is Mass? Uh, uh, we are explaining after this. Hey, 10.45. We have to end. Alright, we'll, we'll study some of this. I need you to be clear about their doctrines. Otherwise, uh, we, will, we will fall in the future generation. Let us pray.